Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 brothers and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to, into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest, upon, rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. For the laborer, does, for the laborer do, deserves to be paid. But do, do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its peoples welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your, feet, of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protests against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you rejects, listens to me. And whoever rejects me, re, whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watch Satan fall like from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on saints and scorpions, and over all the powers and all over the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. You all may be seated. Invite your children up. I've titled this sermon as I, I think I've probably titled the same thing for the past few times I preached on it. You want me to do what? Because I imagine what the 70 followers must have been thinking when Jesus sent them out. This is the second time that Jesus is sending out his followers. The first time was in Luke chapter 9 when he sent out the 12. Apparently it worked out really well. And I'm not being sarcastic. It worked out really well. Luke writes, They departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. So Jesus takes it one step further. He sends not just the 12 disciples, but the whole church. In the Mormon church... Each member must do two years of missionary work. Those guys you see riding around on bikes, knocking on doors, passing out books, they're doing their two years of missionary work. They go out two by two, and their work is paid off. At one point in time, and I didn't have a chance to check this, but at one point in time, they were the fastest growing faith in America. And this is a group of people who do not believe in the Trinity, who do not baptize as the Lord commands. 
Could you imagine if we add that assignment to Lutheran church membership? Would you stick around? Do you even want to do it? Or we just say that's the pastor's job to do evangelism? This is not just a St. John's mentality, my brothers and sisters. It's, it's an entire mainline church mentality. We think evangelism and missionary work should be done by other institutions, agencies, and specially trained pastors. We have passed the buck away from the congregation. And look what it's gotten us. The job of the church, the congregation, each and every member of the body of Christ is to proclaim the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come near. It's plain and simple. And it's downright terrifying to send you all out into the midst of wolves. Often we overlook the ending of the service. The part of the liturgy is called the sending. We just see it as something we want to get through as quickly as possible so we all can go home. Like play that benediction as fast as you can, Jerry, so we can all get out of here. But it's a serious moment in the liturgy. The church is sending you out. Sending you and your neighbor out to preach the kingdom. And it's possible that some of you might not be able to return next week. In the days of the early church, the threat of capture was real. Today we are blessed to live in a land where such persecution of Christians is rare. In some ways, I believe we as a church have lost our motivation, our desire to want to tell others about the God's kingdom drawing near to us. We have no urgency. We are comfortable with the way things are. And we're in no real crunch to make changes to our daily Christian lifestyle. We're okay with letting others do the work, to do our work. Luke is the only gospel that includes the sending of the 70. None of the other gospels include this pericope, and I think that's odd. And at the same time, I think Luke, I think Pastor Luke, was facing a similar situation that mainline Christianity is facing today. Afraid to engage outsiders. We are afraid to go knock on someone else's door, and for good reason. The news is full of people being killed or mugged. I think Luke includes this pericope because his church was afraid of outsiders. And I think deep down we are afraid too. Maybe some of us are afraid of the bad guys out there. But I think the majority of our fear lies in having a door slammed in our face. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of someone making fun of us for inviting them to worship with us. We're afraid to tell someone about our faith in Jesus Christ because they might make fun of us. It's like we're back in the 8th grade. And we forget what Jesus says. Whenever you, welcome, whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. You move on. You don't let one person's words set the tone of your ministry. You go into the street, you shake it off, and you go to the next house, the next town, and you engage the next person because the kingdom of God has come near regardless of the stranger's willingness to listen and welcome you into their home. As I mentioned earlier, there is another sending in Luke's gospel. And there are three common instructions given in both Sending of the twelve and ascending of the seventy that are worth noting for us today. Number one, eat what is provided, heal the sick, and announce the kingdom. That is what the church is charged with doing. That is what each and every one of us is called, equipped, and sent out to do by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
We must learn how to be dependent on others, to put the debit card away and let someone else make you suffer. And I have to tell you, this is something that I struggle with daily when I go out and visit shut-ins. You know, I went to this boundary workshop a couple years ago. I have to go to this every like three or five years or something. And during the workshop, the leader talked about when he visits shut-ins, he rarely accepts a drink because he doesn't want to take any time away from the visit nor does he want to place any undue burden on those whom he is visiting to fix him something. And I have to admit, I, I kind of feel the same way when I visit shut-ins and, visitor, and members. I schedule visits for after lunch and I don't have to force a shut-in or, or a parishioner to feed me a meal. Though the times I do visit shut-ins and members over lunch or dinner have always provided to be wonderful and holy time. And while I have my reasons... Is this, the current, is this current practice against what the Lord commands? Eat what is provided. In some ways, all of us hate being dependent on someone else. We all hate group work. And it, yet it's group work that our Lord calls us to do. We're also called to heal the sick. In James chapter 5, 13 to 17, it says, Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins, against, sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. Yeah, this is biblical. This is something that we believe to be true, but do any of us practice it? Do any of us actually gather the elders together to pray over the sick, and the, or at the very least call the pastor, before they call the doctor? And that's not to say that a doctor should not be consulted. I'm going to tell you, if you have strep throat and you called me, I'm going to tell you to call your doctor. I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to come over and pray with you. I don't need strep throat. I've gotten it like three times this year. I'm done with strep throat. Call your doctors. But where does faith fit into the treatment of cancer? Treatment of heart disease, of orthopedic needs, or in a simple case of the flu. The church needs to play a vital role in the health of the people. Otherwise, we are more, no more than a social justice organization with sacraments. Prayer matters. It works. And our mission as a church needs to have care of the sick as one of its chief endeavors. You know, I feel very blessed to serve you all as your pastor. The servant congregation supports me in this kind of work. Two, week, two or three weeks ago, I, I spent time with a member at Ruby Memorial in Mor Morgantown. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive to Morgantown, but I was able to do it because of you all. I was gone for two days. You all could have told me not to go, to wait till he got back. You could have refused to pay my mileage or demand that I spend time doing other things, deemed more important. But you all allowed me to go, and it was a holy thing to be with Wayne in the hospital room. To meet with Colin and Deb and talk about their wedding and their son still in the NICU at the time. To see Elizabeth, Matthew, and Lakin at Camp Luther. It is important and vital to our work that those who cannot make it here each week are told of the kingdom of God. And you all see this not only as my work, but as your work as well. For there's a number of you who go out and visit our shuttles, take them communion. Check in on people on a daily basis. You know, the world is a very different place 
than it was 2,000 years ago. In many ways, our world has gotten smaller. It's easier to travel over long distances, and cell phones and other technology allow us to communicate with anyone, anywhere on the planet. Multiculturalism and religious pluralism are welcome changes to our world. Diversity is something that we seek out rather than shy away from. As the world changes around us, we find ourselves looking deep at ourselves and wondering what we have to offer other people. Does our mission still have relevance for people who do not share the same culture and faith as our own? Do we compromise our mission to meet the needs of those around us? It's not that the mission of the church has become unnecessary or impractical, but simply that the changing conditions of the communities in which we live are forcing us to rethink the gospel's teaching about the mission of those who follow Jesus and to find avenues of obedience that are effective and appropriate for our times as well as faithful to Jesus' teaching. What we preach cannot change. The kingdom of God is near. That is a fact that we must have front and center in our work. But how we go about this might look different from the days when Jesus sent out his followers two by two. It might involve more social media, digital media, VBS even. But we must still go out and do the, and do the work of proclaiming the kingdom. We cannot remain silent. Regardless of how we proclaim the kingdom, the results will be the same. Some will reject us. Some will welcome us into their private lives and will want to hear more about this man named Jesus. And so are you ready to go out? I know you don't feel ready. I know for some of you the thought of telling someone about your faith makes you want to throw up. But if our Lord was willing to send a bunch of people out in his name, why should I or anyone hold any of you back? Why should you be afraid? And I think you will surprise yourself as the followers of Jesus surprise themselves. As the 70 returned with joy, they were saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. If the demons are no threat, nothing is a threat to our mission. Not even Satan can prevail against those who come in the name of Jesus. My brothers and sisters, I know things are different from the days of Jesus. And it might seem as though the idea of sending followers out seems archaic and downright dangerous. But I beg to differ. I beg you to reconsider and pray that the Holy Spirit will kindle in your hearts a desire to engage the world around you, around us, in the good news of Jesus Christ. The context, means, and forms of the mission change continually for the church. But its basis for God's redemptive love remains constant.